Micah 6, 1. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord and your, and, and your enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against His people, and He will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? asked the Lord. How have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery and sent before you Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Oh, oh my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him and what happened to Shittim and Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly? with your God. The next reading is from Matthew 5. The, from the Sermon on the Mount, it is the Beatitudes. And so, these opening verses should be read forcefully. Demanding, be poor in spirit, mourn, be meek. You get the idea. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Righteousness' sake. There we go. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, I move on to the, a reading of 1 Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians in the cha first chapter, verses 18 through 31. So I, it's in, I'll introduce it like this. Scandal, weakness, and the cross seem at odds. It seem odd channels, excuse me. For salvation, but God does not work in ways that make sense. God does not work in ways that make sense under the whole worldly status quo. God's ways use radically different sets of values and choices. That is the introduction to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. Before I enter the passage, I don't read Paul very often. And you'll see why, but I'll help you understand it in my message. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, 
I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and wisdom of God. For foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. May God bless the reading of this word. of my sermon this morning is the source, the source. And the question I ask this morning is, what is the source of your life? What is the source of your life? So, as I told you, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth, he, he put a lot of effort into this church. And he's left that church. He's not like sitting you know, up, up the street writing these letters. He's nowhere around the church. But he gets word that the, what's happening at the church. And so, as he started that church and preached a certain message in that church, he, what he's learning is that somebody's come behind him and undoing it, undoing his good work for their own uh, affirmation, for their own pride. So, he he's writes this letter to address something. And it has to do with that there are themes that are being preached and taught about the power of knowledge and the, a trust in reason. Where is it coming from? The Greek culture that surrounds the church because the Greeks put heavy emphasis on philosophy and on debate and on education and just and, and trusted in their power, their ability to reason meaning that we can figure it out we can give it a, we can give it an explanation and so what was doing was undermining Paul's work of 
leading them to Christ. Okay? So, when Paul writes in this, this language of foolishness, wisdom, it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to make sense of it. And so, but what, what he's really trying to capture is that, that to those who don't get it, the message of the cross, the teachings of Jesus Christ, seem foolish. Because you really can't reason your way to there. We're st- we still talk about the crucifixion and the resurrection. It's just, it's, it, it's hard. If you try to apply logic to it, it's hard to get there. So he said, to the person that doesn't get it, it's just foolishness. Oh, that's poppycock. You know, oh, that, just don't pay attention to those Christians. What Paul's saying is that you may think it's foolishness, but we believe, we believe that there is a life that is gained, a life that is gained when we embrace that so-called foolishness. But what we find is that it's still, to this day, is challenged. And so, it's, it's a... If you try to explain it, if you try to reason through Christianity, if you try to apply logic to the the teachings of Jesus, it's hard. It's hard to get there. But if you simply just let it be and simply, simply believe, there is a new life that comes from that. Now, as I as I worked on this and as I as I wrestled with it. You know, I, I said, I said, it's, even now you can tell, it's, it's just, it's Paul, you know. And Paul, Paul wants us to, to just accept it and live. And so, salvation, which comes about through the cross, is, is all about the grace of God. All about the grace of God. And that, and that there's absolutely nothing we can do to save ourselves. Nothing. Nothing we can do to save ourselves. Nothing. There's nothing, nothing we can do to earn God's favor. No. But somehow, in, in our misunderstanding, we tend to flee and run because we see sometimes God and the message of Christ as judgment on our own lives. And we don't realize that God simply just simply wants to save us. There's an old story about running. And it happened back in 1981. 1981, um, a Minnesota radio station uh, reported a story about a stolen car in California. Okay, So, police were staging an intense search for the stolen car. Even to the point of placing announcements on the local radio station. Okay? To contact the thief. To contact the thief. What the thief didn't know is that they were trying to help him because the thief had stolen a VW Bug. That's not, what they're trying to, that's not why they're trying to save him, by the way. Those of you who have driven one, they are death traps, but... <laughs> 
not what they're trying to disable. But the owner of the car had a box of crackers on the front seat that were laced with poison because he was going to take it to his to some place to, to get rid of the rats. So sitting beside this driver who had hijacked this car was a box of fresh crackers with poison on them. And they were simply trying to stop the guy from killing him, you know, eating the poison and dying. And so they, that's their whole mission. That's why they were such great efforts, because they wanted to save this guy. But he was running because he thought that they were after him to, you know, throw him in jail. They were more, they were more concerned about their, his life than they were about his transgression. Well, you could say the same thing about God. God's much more concerned about our life than about our transgressions. God, God, yes, we sin, but God wants us to live. Yes, God would like it if we, we behaved ourselves, but God really wants us to live. God can only love. God, God has so much more interest in us accepting that message of Christ and being saved and having that new life. The rest of it is already forgiven. You, everything that we've done in our lives that, that we're ashamed of, everything that has ever been, uh, that we, we worry about or that we feel judgment about, guess what? That was forgiven a long time ago by God. God forgave you a long time ago. God's chasing you down. Just like those police were of that driver in that car. But God's chasing you down so you can live. Some of you feel it. Some of you have experienced it. In my life, years ago, maybe 30 years ago, I remember that I had, I had rejected God. And I, I could still, to this day, hear, feel God going, you know, how about now? You know, because I'd get on my knees and I'd just be, I'd just be worn out trying to, trying to escape. And one night God said, I could just almost hear the words, but I could feel the burden on me. And I said, I give up. I give up, God. It's kind of like that driver finally pulling, when they see, the driver sees the red lights and pulling over the side and go, I'm going to stop running. I'm going to stop running. I'm just going to give myself up. Only to be saved. And that's exactly how my life felt. I, it was just like I was pulling over to the side of the road. And I said, God, I give up. I'm tired of trying to run my life because I've failed over and over again. I believe you'll do a better job. And I had a new life. That was many years ago. I had no plans of going to seminary. I had no plans of being a minister. I had no plans that one day I would be preaching in a pulpit. None. It was the last thing on my mind. All I wanted was that weight off of me. It didn't go away that night. But over time it did. So therefore, I believe that sometimes you just have to stop thinking and you have to just stop reasoning and just believe. What's the source of your life? Have you trusted your knowledge? Have you trusted your education? Have you trusted how clever you are? Have you, have you trusted your experience? Or have you trusted God?
Have you accepted that message of salvation? Because there is a new life, and some of you know it already. And some of you have yet to meet it. But there is a new life. Because we do live like there's a box of poison crackers next to us. And it's so tempting. Those crackers look so good. And you're just running from God. All God wants to do is save you from the crackers. It's a wonderful life. The one that God's planned for you. And may Christ be the source of your life. Let us pray. Lord, as it it was written, the glory of the gospel lies in God's mercy. Lord, you have been most merciful to us. And when we open our eyes, when we stop running, when we stop driving fast, when we finally pull over to the side of the road, open our eyes to your mercy. May we indeed accept your grace. And may we feel that burden of trying to rationalize, trying to justify, trying to, to, to reason our way into a life. May we simply surrender, hand it over, and welcome a new beginning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.